Welcome to this edition of Head to Head. I'm your host, Cam McKinney, and this is episode number 184 of the podcast. And in this episode of the podcast, I'm talking about the two teams that have spent the most money so far this baseball offseason, and that's the New York Mets and the Texas Rangers. These two are surprises because they're not the usual suspects. Usually it's the Dodgers, it's the Red Sox, it's the Yankees, it's even the LA Angels who are out here spending the most money. It's not usually the New York Mets. It's not usually the Texas Rangers. And let's talk about their moves. Let's start off with the New York Mets. First, the Mets have signed starting pitcher Max Scherzer to a free year $130 million deal. Let's do a deep dive into the career of Max Scherzer because I think it's even more impressive than most people realize. Scherzer is an eight-time All-Star, a three-time Cy Young Award winner. Four times he's led the league in wins. Three times he's had the most strikeouts in the National League. He's pitched two career no-hitters. Weirdly enough, the only two shutouts of his career from 2014 to 2018. Scherzer had five seasons in a row with over 250 strikeouts. He's tied the record for most strikeouts in a game with 20 against his former team, the Detroit Tigers, tying Roger Clemens, who did it twice, and Kerry Wood. Scherzer is also tied with Sandy Koufax and Chris Sale with free immaculate innings. That's free innings where Scherzer has struck out all three batters on only nine pitches. He's one of 19 pitchers with over 3,000 career strikeouts. He's also a World Series champion with the 2019 Nationals. Overall in the postseason, Scherzer is 7-6 and six with a 3.22 ERA and in the regular season, he's got a 190 and 97 record with a career ERA of 3.16. He's done it all. There are not a lot of pitchers like him. He's made 30 starts 11 times in his career and has thrown over 200 innings 6 times He's a workhorse and he's coming off of a season where he was traded to the Dodgers at the trade deadline and with the Dodgers he went 7-0 and in 11 starts and was 15-4 and overall with the Nationals and Dodgers. He finished third in the Cy Young voting behind Corbin Burns of the Brewers who won and Zach Wheeler of the Phillies who finished second. This is a hefty contract for any pitcher let alone one that's 37 years old but if anyone is going to defy the odds and pitch well into their 30s, it's going to be Max Scherzer. I mean, during this contract, he's going to be the age of 37, 38, and 39, right on the heels of turning 40 years old. But again, if anyone is going to do it, it's going to be Max Scherzer. He has accomplished everything and anything that you can as a starting pitcher in the game of Major League Baseball. So I think this is a good signing. I think you can criticize this signing. I mean, look at the fact that the Mets now have the two highest paid starting pitchers in all of baseball, and Max Scherzer with $43 million and Jacob deGrom at $36 million. And look at what just happened. The Braves just won a World Series without an elite starting pitcher. So why are the Mets throwing all of this money at starting pitching like it's 2005? I think that's a fair criticism because I don't think having elite starting pitching means what it used to. Yes, the 2018 Nationals won with an elite rotation. Maybe the Mets can do that. But the Braves just won without an elite rotation. So I don't know how much starting pitcher adds value to your team anymore. And now the Mets' two highest paid players are starting pitchers? I mean, most likely they're going to form the best one-two punch in the National League. I mean, these are guys in DeGrom and Scherzer who have won multiple Cy Youngs each. They are two of the top five pitchers in all of baseball. But what does that mean in 2021? That doesn't make the Mets World Series favorites. It doesn't even make them favorites to make the postseason. 
There are so many teams dominating baseball without elite starters. The Rays have constantly made the postseason without a top 10 pitcher. The Braves just won the World Series without a top 10 pitcher. What does starting pitching mean in 2021? We're really going to find that out with this year's Mets team who is going to heavily rely on it. It's kind of like, yeah, they might have the best rotation in the National League in the regular season. The Mets might have a really fantastic regular season, but then when you get down to the postseason, those starting pitchers will not get you to the finish line. Starting pitchers really did not have that big of an impact this past postseason. Adding Scherzer is not the only thing the Mets did. The Mets also added some much-needed offense and infielder Eduardo Escobar, who was a first-time All-Star last year. He had 28 home runs with the Diamondbacks and Brewers, and in 2019, he had 35 homers. It's a two-year, $20 million deal. Feels like a bit of a steal. Outfielder Starling Marte joins the Mets on a four-year, $78 million deal. This is the one I'm a bit iffy on. Marte hasn't been an all-star since 2015. He hasn't won a gold glove since 2016. It just feels like he's already peaked. He's been traded twice to the Marlins and the Athletics. He's had stretches of brilliance, but he's wildly inconsistent. He feels like a guy who has never reached his full ceiling. And now you want me to believe he'll play up to his full potential from years 33 to 37? I think he's a good player who at this price is a bit overpaid. He's one of these players that in baseball and in other sports gets paid because of all the talent that he has. He has a rocket of an arm. He's a really good defensive outfielder. He can steal 20 bases. It's all there, but he has never fully put it together. And these type of guys just end up getting chance after chance after chance because of their talent. And then a team pays them a lot of money thinking they're going to live up to that potential. And I don't think Starling Marte is going to ever live up to the potential. And surely not at ages 33 to 37 with the New York Mets. This is the type of deal that the Mets give and it doesn't work out. This is them giving Jed Lowry a contract. Jed Lowry shows flashes of being a really good baseball infielder. Then the Mets give him money and then it doesn't work out. This reeks of that kind of contract for me. It is not a good contract for the Mets to be giving out at this time. And finally, the Mets signed first baseman and outfielder Mark Hanna to a two-year, $26 million deal. He had 16 homers with the Oakland A's last year, and he hit a career-high 26 in 2019. With these free moves, the Mets bolster their biggest weakness, their offense. Last year, the Mets offense was way too top-heavy. I mean, they have Pete Alonso, they had Francisco Lindor, who had an up-and-down season. They're losing Michael Conforto. They've already lost Javi Baez. They needed to make moves so that they had a strong lineup. I'm not sure that these moves fix their lineup, but it certainly makes them better. What the Mets really need to go along with these free agent signings are bounce back seasons from Francisco Lindor and Jeff McNeil. If these guys have good seasons to go along with their new signings, the Mets should have a winning season. And look, owner Steve Cohen has put his money where his mouth is. He's invested a lot of money into this team to give a 37-year-old $43 million a year. That is showing belief in this franchise. Now him and new general manager Billy Epler need to decide who is going to be the manager of this team because that's a fascinating question. Are the Mets going to sign a rookie manager who is going to be a minion to the front office or are they going to sign a veteran manager like Buck Showalter? That could decide the fate of the Mets season more so than Max Scherzer, more so than Starling Marte, more so than Eduardo Escobar and Mark Hanna. Who the manager of the Mets is a really important question 
and it to this point has still not yet been answered. And with the baseball lockout now in place, it could be months and months down the line. I mean, they could have to hire a manager right before spring training starts. It is going to be a really interesting Mets season. I like that the moves that they made. Listen, the biggest move, of course, is Max Scherzer. If he is the Max Scherzer he's been for the longest time, then the Mets should have a winning season. Let's talk about the team who also spent some big-time dough so far this offseason, the Texas Rangers. First, they signed second baseman Marcus Simeon to a seven-year, $175 million deal. This is a guy who had a career resurgence last year with the Blue Jays. Simeon hit a career-high 45 home runs. His previous high was 33. In 2020, he hit only 7 and 60 games. He also drove in a 100 runs for the first time in his career. The most miraculous part of his season is he was a first-time All-Star, a first-time Silver Slugger winner, and last year he won his first gold glove. He transitioned from shortstop to second base because he was not the best defensive shortstop. He committed 35 errors in 2015, 21 in 2016, and 20 in 2018. He did improve his defense over time there, but I feel like he's much better at second base. My biggest fear about this contract is that last year was an aberration for Marcus Simeon. Think about all those career first, first time 100 RBIs, first time 40 home runs. This is not who Marcus Simeon has been. And look at the lineup he was a part of last year. Last year's Blue Jays lineup was stacked. They had Vladimir Guerrero Jr., George Springer, Bo Bichette, Teoscar Hernandez, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., and Randall Grigic. That's seven players on that roster that hit over 20 home runs, four over 30 homers, two over 46 players on the Blue Jays drove in 80 or more runs, four of them over 100. Simeon was far from the most feared hitter in that lineup, and he is going to a team in the Texas Rangers that is not going to have that same stack lineup. Listen, it's great to have Marcus Simeon on your team when he is a piece of your team, but when he has to be one of the top-tier players on your team, I'm not sure that's going to work out. Marcus Simeon is 31 years old, and the rest of his major league career has not been as good as he was last year. Is last year what he is, or the years prior? I think it's the years prior. I think last year was an aberration. So seven years, 175 is too much for Marcus Simeon. The other major signing made by the team is Corey Seager, who gets a 10-year, $325 million deal. The 27-year-old shortstop is a former Rookie of the Year, a two-time All-Star, a two-time Silver Slugger Award winner. In 2020, he was the NLCS MVP and World Series MVP. He's a really good player, a top-tier shortstop, along with Carlos Correa, Xander Bogarts, and Francisco Lindor. But do I think he's almost $200 million better than Javier Baez, who got a six-year, $160 million deal from the Tigers? I do not. My problem with Seager is that he has never been the best player on the Dodgers. He's played with Clayton Kershaw, Cody Bellinger, Kenley Jansen, Justin Turner, Mookie Betts. As good as a player as Seager is, he was never high on the list of reasons why the Dodgers are great year in and year out. One of the reasons the Dodgers are letting him go is because they have Trey Turner, who when all said and done, might end up having the better career. Some are comparing this to when Alex Rodriguez signed with the Rangers for 10 years and $252 million in 2000. The only similarity here is the length of the deal. Seager is not half as good as A-Rod was by 2008. Then 25-year-old Alex Rodriguez had already had three seasons where he 
where he hit over 40 homers, four where he hit over 35, Seager's career high is 26, and A-Rod had four seasons of over 110 RBIs, Seager's career high is 87. A-Rod was a phenom, Seager is far from that. The A-Rod deal failed because Texas failed to build around him. Alex Rodriguez was the right player to build around. He was the best player in Major League Baseball. My concern is Corey Seager is not a player worth building around. I think he is a really good player. I think he is a really good starting shortstop. I'm not sure you want Corey Seager to be the best player on your baseball team. I'm not sure that leads to winning. I think he's a nice piece to a winning team, but I don't think he's the piece that turns you into a winner. Also, look back at the three years that A-Rod had with the Texas Rangers. He was not the problem on the Rangers. In those three seasons, A-Rod hit 52 homers, 52 again, and 47. Seager is not going to come close to those kind of numbers with the Texas Rangers. I'm not sure that Corey Seager is a $300 million type of player. And there's a small part of me that thinks he's a bit overrated because of the market he's played and he's always in the postseason with the Dodgers. Again, he had that success in 2020. He was the NLCS MVP and he was the World Series MVP. But there's a part of me that thinks Javi Baez is just as good, if not better than Corey Seager. He's just not always on the biggest stage. In my opinion, Texas signed two really good players, but they paid them like they are great. Marcus Simeon is a really good all-star caliber player. Corey Seager is a really good all-star caliber player, but they are paying them like they should be the best players on their team when they weren't even the best players on their former teams. Marcus Simeon was not the reason the Blue Jays were really good last year, and Corey Seager was not the reason the Dodgers were really good last year. They were part of the reason, but they were far from the biggest reasons. There were so many other factors as to why those teams are good, and now Texas is paying these guys to make their team really good, and it might be an epic fail. And let's not kid ourselves. Texas had to overpay to get these type of players. Corey Seager's not going to the Texas Rangers if they don't give him this kind of money. Marcus Simeon isn't going to go to the Texas Rangers if they don't give him this type of money. This is what bad teams have to do to get these type of players. It's like Jason Worth going to the Washington Nationals. Bad teams don't get great players unless they overpay them, and that's what happened here. I would love these contracts if Seager got $200 million. I would love this contract if Marcus Simeon got like $100 million. but the Texas Rangers overpaid, and they had to if they wanted to attract this type of talent to their not-so-very-good baseball team. The Rangers also signed starting pitcher John Gray, who has had a roller coaster career with the Colorado Rockies. He's got a career record of 53 and 49 with a 4.59 ERA. And in that ballpark, Coors Field, that's impressive. He's had four seasons in a row from 2016 to 2019 where Gray won double digit games. His best year was in 2019 where he went 11 and 8 with a 3.84. And I know what some people are thinking going from Coors Field to playing where the Texas Rangers played is not a good idea because that's not a pitcher friendly ballpark either. But look at the track record. There have been some veteran pitchers who've had success recently with the Texas Rangers in reviving their career. Mike Miner in 2018 and 2019 and Lance Lynn in 2018 both had excellent years in Texas after struggling the years prior to joining the team. Mike Miner won a career high 14 with the Texas Rangers. I thought Mike Miner was excellent with that team. He pitched one of his best games against my Boston Red Sox and Lance Lynn in 2018 
2018 won 16 games after not being very good with the, in his last few seasons with the St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, this is a place where pitchers can go and revive their careers, and that's what I think is going to happen with John Gray. Weirdly, this is my favorite signing that the Texas did because it is a low-risk, high-reward. At best, John Gray can become your solid number two starter, and I think at worst, he's a solid number three starter. I really like this signing. He's 30 years old. It's a four-year, $56 million contract. It is not big money, and again, if he can be a guy who can consistently win 12 to 15 games a year, I think this contract is going to be very much worth it for the Texas Rangers moving forward. I'm a fan of Rangers team president John Daniels. He put the team together that went to back-to-back World Series in 2010 and 11, losing to the Cardinals and Giants in heartbreaking fashion, and they've been on a rough stretch lately. The Texas Rangers have finished in last place three out of the last five years. They are trying to turn it around, and you have to commend them for that. Overall, based on everything I've said, you won't be surprised to find out that I like what the Mets are doing far better than what Texas is doing, and that all has to do with Max Scherzer. They paid him like he's one of the best because he is one of the best, while the Rangers are overpaying to get those kind of contracts. And again, they have to to attract that kind of talent, but in two or three years, these deals that the Rangers have given might look really bad, while the Mets now have two aces in DeGrom and Scherzer. You have to feel good about where they are going as long as they can score them some runs. They should at the very least have a chance to make the postseason. Listen, the Mets won 77 games last year, and the Rangers won 60 and lost 100. These franchises needed to turn things around, and that's what they are doing. It's great to see two teams that struggled mightily last year try to go for it and try to turn things around. I didn't even mention the Detroit Tigers who signed pitcher Eduardo Rodriguez and Javier Baez. These teams are trying to be good, and that is something that baseball has had a problem with in the past. For far too long, there have teams that have just accepted the fact that they are not the major players. While the Rangers and Mets and Tigers are trying to turn that around, they are trying to compete, and that's all that you can ask for from these type of teams. The Texas Rangers are probably not going to make the postseason. They're probably not going to win the World Series, and while the Mets might make the postseason, they're probably not going to win the World Series, but they are trying, and that's all you can ask for at this point in time. That's all you can ask for. Just be a competitive product and make all these 162 games count because you can't go through a slog of a baseball season with so many bad, unwatchable teams. And at least for next year, I want to see how good the Texas Rangers are and I want to see how good the New York Mets are. They are a point of interest. And I think before this offseason, you probably would have said, I don't want to watch the Rangers. I don't want to watch the Mets. But now you have a reason to watch these teams. You have a reason to see, are these contracts going to be good in two or three years? I don't know the answer to that. Again, I have my own opinions, but it's going to be fun to watch. And at least we got all these big moves before the big baseball lockout. Again, there's one big move still looming. Where is Carlos Correa going to end up? Unfortunately, we probably won't know till months from now. What you do know if you're a Mets or a Rangers fan is that your team is at very least trying to compete in 2022. And again, that's really all you can ask for. These teams are trying to be better than they were the year prior. And I think that's an admirable effort. Maybe they are spending way too much money. Maybe this is all for loss because again, teams that win the offseason very rarely win it all. 
baseball, but still, I like what the Mets and Rangers are attempting to do. Thanks for listening to this edition of Head to Head. I'm Cam McKinney, and there'll be a new episode of the podcast every Monday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so please rate, review, and subscribe.